Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast, the show where we talk all of the latest news, gossip and events in the world of Formula One and we relay that back to you for your listening or viewing pleasure, depending on which platform of course you choose to follow us on. And guys, the Mexican Grand Prix is only just finished, we've come to the conclusion so of course bear with us as I'm sure there's a lot of stuff going on in the background, some of the coverage still going on whilst we react and review the Mexican Grand Prix but spoiler alert guys for those of you who hadn't checked it out, Max Verstappen managed to get the job done today at a circuit that we expected Red Bull to be dominant, they were pretty much just as we expected and look I want to try and uh, how can I put it? Try and shine a light on this to try and keep the championship as alive as it possibly can be. Of course, it definitely is. But it was certainly a day that we were expecting this kind of performance. And despite how qualifying did shake up the possibility of it not going Red Bull's way, you could argue that Max Verstappen pretty much got the job done at the very first corner as he probably needed to. But of course, we're going to get into that episode and of course, get into that race and talk about all of the major talking points and how it all went down for your listening or viewing pleasure, of course. And as always, joining me on this episode is my co-host, Mr. Courtney Pine. Courtney, I'm sure, you know, it's been a good day for you, of course, you know, through other avenues as well. Um, But first of all, how are you doing and what are your initial thoughts after an incredibly dominant performance by Max Verstappen in particular? Uh, first of all, I'd just like to congratulate um, my sister Melissa and her boyfriend Rob. Um, they just got engaged, so good times there. And also um, another great day for West Ham United beating or well, ending Liverpool's 25-game unbeaten run. So it's it's been a good day. Um on a normal day, I would have said the race itself would have tainted my energy, my mood. But because so many good things have happened today, I can't really complain. But yeah, it was a 
pretty predictable result in the end. And I hope I'm wrong, but I just think that result's bad news for the Championship itself because I'm sure most neutrals want to be seeing a sort of back and forth for the rest of the season. And, you know, we want to see a title decider in Abu Dhabi, but right now it's not looking uh, pretty good, not looking very good, is it? Yeah, um, it was quite an ominous um, kind of race, I suppose. An ominous performance from Max Verstappen. In a way, one that we've seen a fair few times from him this season. Perhaps not for a while, but it seemed that everything seemed to fall together with the recipe for this kind of result. And that's exactly what Max Verstappen has delivered this season. That has been very much a hallmark to his capabilities and his performances this season to put those performances together. Um, Furthermore, of course, outside of F1, obviously, I want to extend my congratulations to Mel and Rob on their engagement. It's uh, fantastic news. And of course, if I may as well add to that, um, in the spirit of good cheer and obviously some great news, a couple of friends of mine, a guy I used to work with, Matt, I'm sure you won't mind me mentioning this. Obviously, he gave birth to always uh, partner Sam. I should <laughs> okay, say. Clarify, gave, yeah, clarify yes, that one. Should clarify that his partner Sam gave birth to their first <laughs> child, Molly, um, on Friday, I believe it was. So, congratulations to Congrats. Sam and Matt on the new baby girl, Molly, as well. So, lots of reasons to be all happy and in good cheer at the moment. Of course, my football team won as well uh, this weekend. So, we're all in a bit of a good mood. Uh, a lot of good things. But then, of course we should have reasons to be cheerful in the F1 world as well. You know, we've had such an incredible season, two Titans like Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton going hammer and tongs all season long. There's been plenty of back and forth. There's been times where we thought Max was going to run away with it. There's been times where we thought Lewis might run away with it. It just seems now that we're coming to the critical, uh, critical climactic period in the F1 season. And it just seems that we went to America, a circuit that we fought, Mercedes would be favourites at and Lewis Hamilton would get the result it didn't quite happen Max Verstappen put together an incredible performance with the strategy of course from Red Bull to get that win and today while some of us were probably hoping that Lewis Hamilton might be able to you know repeat the favour or return the favour to Max Verstappen and Red Bull qualifying it did look promising but unfortunately for Mercedes and Hamilton Max Verstappen and Red Bull were just incredible, probably as dominant as they've been since uh, the Austrian Grand Prix earlier in the season where there was literally a one-man race. Um, But that being said, Courtney, of course, we shouldn't take anything away from the performance of Max Verstappen and Red Bull. But I do want to talk a little bit about Checo Perez because, of course, the superstar, the headline was always going to be around Checo Perez. Um, And... I suppose let's get into his race more than anything else. Starting in fourth place, of course, qualifying did not exactly go the way that Red Bull would have wanted. Everyone was expecting them to be starting on the front row, locking out the front row in some cases. Didn't happen. But Perez, of course, you know, like his teammate, did, you know, cause problems for the Mercedes drivers. Checo, of course, uh, becoming today the first Mexican driver to not only lead an F1 lap, at his home Grand Prix, but also to get a podium as well, very nearly a P2 after that brilliant battle with Lewis at the end. How how have you summed up this week for Checo Perez? Of all the euphoria, the support of the home crowd, the pressure that comes with that being in a championship and race-winning car, of course, like the Red Bull this season, and all of that culminating in a very solid and brilliant P3. His third straight, third place um, in the last three races. You know, so it's always going to be a good thing for Red Bull. Um, I think I think one of the commentators, don't remember who said it, uh, raised the point perfectly. This time last year, Sergio Perez thought that he wasn't even going to have a seat in Formula 1 next year. And obviously we come around to today and he celebrated a podium in front of, you know, his own, his home fans. So for him, 
it's a fantastic result. You know, the most cynical part of me would say that obviously the package helped, but I'm not going to take anything away from him. His personal performances have improved in recent weeks. So where he ended up is probably a true reflection of where he's at, you know, where he has a decent package, but the exceptional talents of Max Verstappen and Lewis Hammond are still ahead. But you can't take anything away from um, Sergio Perez. He put in a solid performance. And the performances he put in last season for a racing point earned him that seat. So that's what happens. You know, there's, it's a well-known thing that the best drivers get the best seats. So, you know, Perez certainly deserved the result today. Yeah, absolutely right. You know, the, the package certainly does help. And of course, we don't say that to uh, knock Checo Perez. We say that in mm. a way that, you know, he's got the car underneath him. He's got the equipment to go out and get these results. This is what Red Bull need him to do. Last exactly. few races, he's done exactly that. He could have done him a huge favour if he managed to overtake Lewis Hamilton. But I think you and I could probably both agree that catching one one driver is easy enough in F1. Passing is a different thing altogether. And, you know, the strengths of the Mercedes were able to help Lewis Hamilton. As Lewis said in the post-race interview, and I kind of agree with this, you know, you can feel the pressure, but he's been there so many times, probably more so than almost anybody else in F1. And he thought it was quite easy to keep Checo behind him once... Um, you know, they're going down the straight. To be fair to him, that was kind of the case. I'm sure the Mexican fans won't enjoy him saying that or even me saying that. But, you know, realistically speaking, um, there wasn't really an occasion where it felt that unless Hamilton made a crucial mm. mistake that Checo was going to get him. Um, but he certainly gave it all he's got. They gave him all the support on the love and they'll be ecstatic with the result today. They'll be, the atmosphere has been incredible imagine what it would have been like. They probably would have been having kittens or something like that if um, if Checo managed to get into P2 or even P1 this weekend. I think if Checo had won the race today, I'm pretty sure there would have been, in about nine months' time, a lot of newborn babies in Mexico <laughs> City, all with the name Sergio or perhaps Checo, for example, um, amongst the Mexican I mean, we may get that. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, nonetheless, of course, a brilliant day for Red Bull and Checo Perez. Um, one character I did want to mention that stole the show at the podium ceremony has to be Checo's dad running up and down uh, the stadium section, waving the Mexican flag, a very, very proud father. And uh, that's kind of what F1's all about, really, live sport in general. Those kind of emotions, the euphoria, when it all comes together in the best way possible and you can just be ecstatic, not have a care in the world. And I'm all for that. You know, the race wasn't as exciting as the celebrations, but it certainly was fun to see. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't quite beat the uh, the moment a West Ham fan uh, took a corner flag against Burnley and ran across the pitch. That was always going to be the most iconic sporting moment for me. <laughs> but no, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a great, it's a, it's a great, it's a great moment for, you know, as you said, it's, that's what sport was all about. You know, the sacrifices that parents put in, you know, there's always the thing about, you know, the rich daddy thing that comes with Formula One. But at the end of the day, rich or poor, you know, you, you still have a heart. You still care for, you know, your offspring. So to see your son, you know, getting onto a podium in front of, you know, the people from your nation, that's a very, very proud moment. And you know what? The efforts from both his, his dad and Sergio Perez himself, why not embrace the moment? Why not milk it? Because I'll tell you what, if I was in that position at Silverstone, I know I certainly would be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's one of those occasions where Checo's had a difficult season. It has improved in the last month or two. He's certainly been better. He's been getting more out of the car. He seems to be addressing some of the weaknesses, particularly in qualifying uh, to his teammate. And, you know, he's being rewarded for that. 
okay, you know, he's still some way off Lewis and Max, respectively, but he's at least in the ballpark now in the same way that Valtteri Bottas has been. And that's kind of what Red Bull need him to do. And it's translating into some great performances and an incredibly improving situation in the Constructors' Championship, I might add, of course, which we probably should mention. It's now only one point separating Mercedes and Red Bull. And we've been saying for a little while now that it just seemed more likely we were going to get Max Verstappen winning the Drivers' Championship and Mercedes, not Red Bull, winning the Constructors' Championship. But right now, Courtney, with four races left to go, three possibly, depending on what happens in Saudi Arabia, do you think Red Bull can complete the, the clean sweep with this one or do you think Mercedes can still hold them off? It all depends, you know, because let's let's not forget it was a very um, a very scruffy afternoon for Valtteri Bottas. You know, and most of it, you know, to his credit, most of it was out of his control. He got tagged in turn one or turn two by Dan Ricciardo, sent him right to the back. <laughs> Sorry. And then with the pit stops, he had a problem with the pit stop. And then obviously he had to, yeah, he come in again to take away the fastest lap. So Valtteri Bottas was just having a race of his own. So I think it's difficult to judge because... Let's not forget that actually his performance, you know, on, on Friday and Saturday were actually quite decent. And then we've mentioned a resurgence in uh, Valtteri's confidence of form since his, um, his announcement with Telfer Romeo was confirmed. So I still believe that Valtteri does have an edge of pace compared to Sergio Perez, but he needs to be on his game in the coming races because I still feel he let Verstappen through a little bit too easily at the start. Like, I'm not going to take anything away from Max. I'm not going to come across as a salty Lewis fan. Max executed that move perfectly. But Bottas has been guilty a couple of times this season, just being a little bit too generous with space. And that's always been a downside to Valtteri's talents. But apart from that, I think Valtteri had a good weekend on Friday and Saturday. And I do think he can carry that form into the remaining races. It's funny you should mention that because I was actually going to bring this up as well because I completely agree with you. To, on to what we saw today, what really what I was expecting going into this race to start with after qualifying, of course, we'll get into that briefly uh, a little later, was you know a situation where yeah, okay, Red Bull were angry about the fact that they were third and fourth and not first and second, but in a strange way, that poison chalice of pole position at Mexico, um, it is struck again. You know the, the guy that started on pole didn't win the race. Um, more often than not, it's whoever's in P2 that tends to be, you know, in the lead. And I think what the problem for Mercedes was is they needed both their guys to get a good start. They needed Lewis to get a good start to keep Max behind him. They also needed Valtteri to get a good start so he could tow Lewis along and give him that easy run into turn one. Neither of those things happened. You know, mm-hmm. Lewis got a great start, better than anyone else. Valtteri got a, a bit of a mess start. But what that translated into was the fact that Lewis was alongside Valtteri, no longer getting the benefit of that toe. Verstappen getting the benefit of the toe off of Valtteri to give him enough momentum to go onto the racing line and complete a beautiful overtake round the pair of them. I mean, it was a fantastic overtake from mm. Max, but it was one that, given the dimensions of the circuit, the space he had, the angle which we could approach the corner, and at speed and confidence on the brakes that he had compared to the two Mercedes drivers, it was a much more, it was made to look a lot easier. Um, than it actually was. Um, but Max is so good that he made that overtake look so, so easy. And he calculated it perfectly. I very much agree, based on what we saw two years ago, if we cast our mind back to 2019, where the two Ferraris were on the front row, and they controlled that brilliantly. Perhaps a bit too far, if you're Sebastian Vettel, who almost practically forced Lewis halfway off the circuit. 
but he did his job to defend, mm. perhaps a bit too over-aggressive, but Bottas did none of that. He gave Max a toe, and by the time he's thinking about perhaps moving over, Max is already alongside him. It's too late. Lewis is on the inside. He's got the bad draw of it because he's got the most acute angle. He has to slow down the most, and he's overtaken. He sees a red ball go past him because if he locks his brakes, he's going to hit a red ball. So, you know... And this is the thing, right? This is the thing. It's moments like these... I'm going to sound harsh here, maybe, but it's moments like these, which is why Valtteri Bottas is being replaced by George Russell. Because when you're fight, when you're racing for a team that is in a tight constructors uh, championship battle, it's all winning, good, doing well on um, in practice, and sometimes on on a Saturday. But it's those moments on a Sunday. His racecraft is lacking. You know, we even saw it in Sochi when um, you know. There was this theory about Mercedes giving him um, a new engine to hold Max back when because Max had to take a penalty as well. Even though we don't feel that was the case, there's an opportunity there for Valtteri Bottas to hold Max back. And he let him pass so easily. And then Max went on to finish second. And that's a big haul of points. And it's those moments that you feel, the hypothetically speaking, I know we haven't seen it over the course of a season yet. I imagine George Russell would have done a much better job holding Max up on both occasions. Yeah, very much so. Um, and, and it's been something that we've seen with Valtteri a lot. And it, again, this is not to kick a wounded animal here, but, you know, Valtteri this year more than others has been in the position quite a few times to try and be that difficult number two driver teammate to try and help the other one, um, to help Lewis. And he, more often than not, he, you're right, Corny, he hasn't really put much of a fight up. I remember mm. a few years ago, when Ferrari and Sebastian Vettel were battling against Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton, almost on a regular basis when the two of them would come together, Valtteri would at least put up a fight to make it difficult for Ferrari and Seb Vettel. And more often than not, he would actually be able to do some sort of damage to them and help his team and help his teammates. I think, his, I think teammate. his first, yeah, his, his first win in 2017, he's, he's um, in, in Russia. Mm. His defensive driving was brilliant. So we know he's had it in his locker previously, but it's gone missing. Well, Spain, the very same year as well, when, all right, it didn't work because Seb Vettel was literally going left and right, left and right, and he'd done the dummy on him eventually. But into turn one, he was trying to keep Seb behind him. Um, you know, it's, it's crazy. I, I Again, this could come down to Valtteri's mindset in terms of does he really care about whether or not Lewis Hamilton wins the championship? I'm sure he'd prefer Lewis to win it rather than Max. But... Um, you know, considering how things have gone down perhaps in the last couple of years and how he feels he's been treated, perhaps he feels like he's done enough to mm. warrant being able to drive the rest of his Mercedes career on his terms. He's been very much a huge part of their success over the last four or five years that he's been at the team. He's arguably been Lewis Hamilton's best teammate in terms of his cohesion and compatibility. Lewis himself would probably agree to that. But in terms of... um you know, this season, could he have done more to help Lewis? Um, in Well, hinder Max, I suppose, is the right way of putting it. Probably. Um, on a day like today, it just felt like if I was Valtteri and I got the start that I got, already before I've even started the car, I know the first thing I need to do is look in my mirrors on the left, where is Max? If Max is coming around my outside, I need to get over there and stop him. If Max goes to the inside and gets Lewis there, well, that's Lewis's problem to deal with because Lewis has got to defend against him. But as long as I do my part and block him off, within reason, obviously you don't want to put him in a wall like Vettel nearly did to Hamilton a couple of years ago, then fair enough. 
today, you're right. He didn't really move over. By the time he's looked over, Max is already alongside him. And, you know, Max is pulling off that move, the sort of move that a, a world champion in waiting is possibly going to do. We've seen Lewis do it enough times. And uh, today, Max, once again, showing why he's leading this world championship. And, you know, he's very much on his way to winning this one. I mean, are we getting a bit ahead of ourselves here, perhaps in saying Max may have a hand on the trophy already? I mean, there's still a lot to play for, but it just feels like the momentum right now and the fact that Mercedes did make a lot of ground. We're going to another race soon in Brazil next week where it's going to be another track. We expect Red Bull and Max to do well. Does it feel like Max could be very, very close to being in a position where he's uncatchable? Or do you think that there's still plenty of racing to go. I've got, I've got mixed opinions on it. I mean, first of all, I was particularly hyped about the, the beginning of this race. I thought, you know, all the ingredients, all the factors you could throw in, I thought, you know what, we're going to get something pretty special here. And apart from Max's move, which was brilliant, it was a bit of an anti-climax. You know, going back to what I said, I just don't, I just don't think Bottas did enough there. So, Although I think the race itself was a bit of an anti-climax. But Brazil does usually deliver. Brazil usually throws a spanner in the works, whether it be through um, incidents. Because we saw it today, there was, there was a few scraps. Because I mentioned it on the preview when we had um, an anyone. We get to that part of, the, part of the season now where there's battles going on through the field. You are going to get incidents that are going to call safety cars that are going to mess up strategy. And that's more likely to happen in Brazil with those tight corners. And also the weather. We all know that uh, in Talagos, they do have a microclimate. And as we saw famously in uh, 2008, which I always love to race, the weather can change just like that. Even though Max is a race specialist, they can all get caught out by the rain. And with the sprint race as well, you've got more points at stake there. I think Brazil's going to be pivotal. Of course, obviously, the maths don't lie. Max has a decent advantage. But there's a lot of points at stake in Brazil. And if the Saudi Arabia Grand Prix goes ahead and Qatar, Mercedes should be strong at those two races. If Mercedes get a result at Brazil, it's game on. If Max wins, then it's game over. Yeah, it, it, it just feels like you know, right now the way things are going, the way Max is driving, the way Red Bull, it, well, for the most part, are operating um, and how efficient their car has been this season, it does feel like it's theirs to lose. And I and I say that loosely because as long as you've got Lewis Hamilton and a car capable of getting a result, you know, you've always got a chance. Um and Lewis has proven that over the years. You can never really count him out until it's the until it's over. And even then you can't count him out of it. Um but this is a situation that himself and Mercedes haven't found themselves in at all. This is what's quite unique about this. They find themselves in a perilous position where there's a very good chance that they will not win the World Championship this year, on both counts, you know, at the moment, given how close it is between them. So they're going to have to do something that they've never done before, and that's try and find a very quick solution or be able to just pull something so special that it just surprises everybody to try and turn this around. Um, And I say that with the greatest respect to them because I think it's more down to the fact that Max has just been so good this year um, and how good Red Bull have been most of the time that it's going to take something monumental to overturn that but again if anyone can do it it's Mercedes and Hamilton yeah I mean again like I'm probably gonna sound like I've had splinters in my ass in this episode but again I have mixed opinions on Mercedes this season let's take ourselves back to the beginning of the season let's be honest here 
Mercedes were handicapped by these regulation changes. The 2020, the, the performance of the W11 last year didn't go down well with the fans, didn't go down well with the other teams for obvious reasons. So these are, those regulation changes did handicap Mercedes, but to the credit of Red Bull, they took full advantage. Mercedes were a fair distance back at the beginning of the season, and they have clawed back performance. You know, we've seen them being a lot closer in circuits than we didn't expect them to be close in. But I just think the gap at the very start of the season, I just think they've had too much to catch up with. And particularly given with the limited budgets that these teams have now, it's been difficult for them to innovate. And they've had to find loophole, little loopholes in what they've already had in order to get as close as they have. Mm. So in some ways they have done well. I think the biggest weakness I've do for with Mercedes this season has been the strategy calls. In some of those, in some of those big moments, I don't think they've been as on it as they usually are. Maybe it's because the pressure's higher. I don't know. And I look at, for example, but even with Lewis, Baku for me is always going to be a vital result. Max, what Max was in complete control. He had the tire blowout. Lewis was about to win the race at the restart, and he and he he he, he made a, a, a stupid uh, mistake with a switch, and he went off, and that was tw- that's twenty five points out at the bag. If it wasn't for that result there, Lewis would still be leading the championship. So it's just those little moments that you didn't see Mercedes before that's made the difference. Yeah, yeah, and and that's a really good point. And I think this is kind of what I've been trying to, you know, get across to to some people mm. for a while now, is that, you know, regardless of who wins his world championship at this point, we could stop it right now and say, congratulations, Max Verstappen, you've won the mm. world championship. Congratulations, exactly. Mercedes, you've won the Constructors' Championship by a point. You know, you can do that. It'd be funny if we did end it now because Bottas' fastest lap finishing, where did he finish, 15th or something like that today? Ends yeah, up being right. enough to win a world championship. Funny, but, you know, you know, something crazy could happen like that. I mean, we had the, is that Glock so many years ago? It can, anything can happen. But be that as it may, regardless of who does win the world championship this year on both counts, whether it's Hamilton, Verstappen, Red Bull, Mercedes, or I don't think Bottas can win it anymore. I think he's now out of that. So, uh, you know, there goes that dream. But, um, you know, all that being said, I, I think... Yes, you're right. Mercedes were heavily handicapped by the rule changes. As harsh as it may sound, it had to be done because because of what happened with the pandemic and everything else. The worst thing, I think, for the sport, based on how brilliant Mercedes were with the W11 in 2020, was to homologate the rules for another year and just get a repetition of what we saw last year. Nobody wanted that. Um, so that in mind, regardless of who wins the championship this year, if, if somehow Hamilton pulls this one out of the bag and, and I, and I think it, if he does, it will be his greatest achievement in the sport. Yeah. I, I said this before and I stick to it. If he does it from this position, it will be incredible. But that being said, I still would consider that to be an incredible success for F1 this season. If Max Verstappen does not win the world championship and Lewis wins it for an eighth time, you know, people say, oh, well, you know, Lewis still won in the same way that, you know, they change the rules every five minutes to stop Schumacher and Ferrari and he still come out on top. Um, all the Williamses in the 90, early 90s and McLaren, etc., etc. It's still a great success because of the journey that we've had to get from where we were at the start of the season, where they were battling uh, each other in Bahrain to the point where we are at the end of the season where they're still going at it. It will be a shame if it doesn't end at the final race of the season. And given how things are going, that could be the case. Hopefully not. But, you know, let's be honest, it could happen right now, given how the form is going. I just feel that whilst a lot of people are going to be disappointed if you're in the Mercedes camp, that this has happened to them and that they've been held back and Red Bull have taken advantage of this. I think 
you have to really applaud the the rule makers to a degree in that they have made changes and it has produced an exciting championship and hopefully that continues going forward um that being said, Courtney, I'm quite intrigued on the comments you just made about Mercedes because, in a way, I do agree as well. I think this season, what it has done with this, if you like, the handicap that Mercedes have had and what it's created, that it has kind of exposed certain issues that Mercedes perhaps didn't realise they had within the team and within how they perform when they're under the amount of pressure that they've been under. They've not been under this kind of pressure for the best part of seven or eight years. Ferrari had, there was a bit of an irritation, I suppose, in 2017 and 2018. But for the most part, Mercedes rose to that and met it. Um, And this year, we've seen not just the team, but Hamilton has made mistakes. Bottas has made mistakes. The car has not been as good as they probably would have hoped. Or on days, it's been better than they would have expected. And they can't figure out why that's the case. I mean, Turkey is a great example. They probably never expected it to be as good as they were. And they're like, all of a sudden, they're dominating. What's going on? Um, so when you sum up this season so far for Mercedes and everything around it, including the drivers, the team, the personnel, the car itself, do you feel that there is scope there for them, regardless of what they achieve this season, um, that they probably will learn more from this experience? The fact that they have made mistakes uncharacteristically, they have met a challenge that has, you know, increased that pressure and has made their life a lot more difficult than they would have wanted. Well, it's a it's a it's a cliche you hear in sport a lot, particularly in Formula One, in that you know you you learn from your mistakes, you know, and it is, and it's one that I, I do resonate with a lot. So I'd say, in should we say like usual circumstances? I'd say yes, they're going to learn from it. But next year we're getting a complete reset. There's going to be a whole draft of new challenges and new rivals in what I do expect which is obviously my, my limited knowledge of Formula 1 and my gut are both telling me that Ferrari and McLaren could well be the team to beat next season. So there's going to be a whole new challenge for Mercedes and then they've got the the challenge of a young and confident George Russell coming into the mix. You know, they, the, there's going to be a completely, completely new story for Mercedes next season. Now, obviously, they have the resources and the experience and the personnel to deal with most of the things that come their way. But... They will have to learn from the lessons of this season, I feel, to be competitive next season because I think it could be a tough season. Yeah, it could well be. It's certainly something to look forward to, of course. Um, I, I want to backtrack a little bit. I want to go through certain elements of the race, particularly at the front. Of course, the key moment um, was the strategy call that Red Bull made to pit um, Sergio Perez um, quite a bit later. Was it 13 laps later than Lewis Hamilton? 11, I think. 11, sorry. Yeah, something like that. Um, I mean, incredible effort from Sergio Perez to go as long as he did on the medium tyres. I mean, Pirelli said they could have done 50 laps. I think he was pretty close to doing that many laps, if you include the laps he did in Q2 in qualifying yesterday. Um, But they decided to leave Perez uh, to stay out. There was a moment, for those watching on Sky F1, where the AWS graphic that shows the predictive uh, predicted re-entry point for the car that's coming into the pits versus the car that they're competing with. And there was a brief moment when Hamilton came out behind Charles Leclerc's Ferrari and got held up a little bit, where Perez was actually a few temps ahead of Hamilton, and probably with enough time for Perez to pit on that lap. Now, me personally, I think if they'd have pitted Perez and he got a two point, what was it, 2.2 second stop that he actually did, Mm-hmm. I think he would have been in that ballpark and perhaps maybe in a position where he could have been ahead of Hamilton into turn one. 
But the cynical part of me feels like, not the cynical, I should say, the boring part of me that thinks that, that Red Bull were probably right in this was that Hamilton would have had all that momentum going into turn one, possibly with DRS because he was right behind Leclerc, so he would have had that as well. Probably would have stayed ahead of Sergio Perez. Do you think that the route Perez went with his strategy in Red Bull was the right decision? Or do you think perhaps they should have pitted him in that moment and see if he comes out ahead of Hamilton or not? Hindsight, again, is a is, is a powerful thing. I think they just wanted to try something completely different. I, I think Red Bull in a position where, like, you know what, we're sitting in third. Max is leading. It would also be great to have a one-two in Mexico and obviously get more points than the constructors and take more points off Lewis. Of course, that's the case. But they were in a position of luxury because they had such a performance um such a performance, uh, what's what's the way to describe advantage, let's say, over Mercedes, that they were a, they thought they were in a position where they could play with strategy. So I thought they'd escape that it was one of those where they thought they'll give him fresh tyres, give it a go. But I think the combination of the track specifics, and it was difficult to overtake, and let's, let's not take away from Lewis's performance. Lewis put in a great performance today, given the circumstances. And the defensive drive been, and he, he was managing to get the, the a good lap in or a gap when he really needed to. It's not like Lewis is an easy driver to overtake. So I think maybe they took they took the pace they had for granted in that sense. But you know, it's not like they're coming up against an average driver. They're coming up against Lewis Hamilton. So I think maybe they underestimated the situation a little bit. But I think yeah, they could have, with hindsight, have gone in with that one lap they had that chance when Leclerc was holding Lewis up. But that's the type of decision they need to be making in seconds. And who knows, maybe if it was Max and Lewis at that time, maybe they'll take that risk, given that there's a lot more at stake. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it begs the question, if it was Max Verstappen, would he have overtaken Lewis Hamilton um, instead mm. of what Perez was trying to do? We'll never know. Um, one might think that perhaps Max you know, a little bit better than Perez and fit faster, probably might have been able to do it. It would have been certainly fun to see if that was possible. I mean, I'm kind of inclined, as I said, I'm kind of inclined to go with the numbers that Red Bull would have had. They'd have had the telemetry, they'd have had the data. Um, Their strategy call, I think, was spot on. And I think they were just unfortunate that Perez just couldn't get the job done. Um, But it would have been an added bonus. It would have put them ahead in the Constructors' Mm -hmm. Championship. It would have given Max a few more points in the Drivers' Championship. I think overall, if someone would have offered them a Max win and Perez for, they'd have easily taken that, considering where they started the race. And, uh, you know, forgive me if I'm wrong, I can't remember from the preview that we did with Menena, but I think we actually got the predictions right for once, first to third. It, we didn't uh, get yeah, pole position, right? I, I thought that. I saw, yeah. I saw the, the, the confirmation graph. I was like, wait a minute. Didn't yeah. we make those predictions the other day? I think we did. I'd have to check to confirm it. If those of yeah. you in the comments obviously remember, then let us know. But we didn't get pole position right. Neither of us said Bottas. No. Um, no. We both went with Verstappen. So, um, yeah, it, 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 you know, that's nice. I, I don't think we've ever got first at the top three correct. And we might have done with the Hanver bot thing or whatever. It, you know, a lot of people got those right then. So, don't know. I thought I'd mention that. Um, but look, let's move on to some of the other races, of course, you know, because it wasn't a race that really enthralled in terms of at the front. The big battle was at the very beginning, as we expected it would be. Bottas, very unfortunate to get tagged by Daniel Ricciardo, completely ruined his race. And, um, you know, it's such a shame. But we'll get into that a little bit later on with our uh, five-star predictions on how we saw that all go down. Um, 
Ferrari and McLaren. Um, actually, no, I'm not going to mention Ferrari and McLaren. I am going to give special praise to Pierre Gasly because Pierre yeah. Gasly was absolutely phenomenal once again. Solid P4, qualified in P, uh, P5, easily my five-star uh, of the day. Um, I think he was my personal driver of the day. I know people say, oh, well, Max Verstappen dominated, did what he needed to do, but you know what? I'm giving it to Pierre Gasly today. He was my driver of the day. Um, solid P4, easily quicker than the Ferraris. Um, there was probably a chance that Ferrari could have got signs ahead of him towards the end, but they waited way too long to switch those cars around because Carlos Sainz went for a similar strategy to uh, Sergio Perez and he was mega quick at the end, but they waited too long to uh, switch the cars around. They could have, like they said, oh, you know, could have done it a few laps earlier. They could have done it 10 laps earlier and perhaps, you know, he could have caught Gasly and we could have seen if he may have been able to get fourth place, but he didn't. Uh, they switched the Ferraris back, so Leclerc ended up ahead of Carlos Sainz and Pierre Gasly, solid P4 for Alvatari, which, if I'm not mistaken, now puts some level with Alpine in the Constructors' Championship on 106 yes. points. So, That's yeah. the thing, and, and Pierre Gasly has been effectively carrying that team. I'd like to make a point about Pierre Gasly, and it's going to be a badly timed one, given the celebrations that we've seen in Mexico City this evening. Red Bull got a bit of a problem here, because Gasly's performances in the last couple of seasons, they can't be ignored. Okay, so there must be one or two people at Red Bull that might already be thinking this. If Perez doesn't perform well next season, they've got to at least consider Gasly, given what he's doing. You can't be ignoring that talent or you're going to end up losing him. A similar situation as we saw this season with George Russell and Valtteri Bottas. I think Red Bull, they can't be ignoring this. Yes, Max Verstappen's a fantastic driver and they've already got their number one driver. But I think it's a luxury to have a driver of Gasly's talent in your team. You know, I, I think it'd be I think it'd be harsh to judge him on his previous experiences. He's, he's he's gone back to Toro Ross, obviously, which are now Alpha Alpha Tauri. He's matured. He's now won a race. He's gone through experiences on and off track that have made him more mature as well. I think he's ready to go back in that number two seat of Red Bull. I do believe that Perez has done enough, certainly this season, to keep that seat one hundred percent. But if again, hypothetically speaking. Perez has a bad start to 2022. They have to at least think about Pierre Gasly going forward. Yeah, very much so. I, I can't, I can't agree more. To be honest, um, I, I really want Pierre Gasly to be back in the Red Bull frame. It's going to come at a cost if it was to happen, but he's certainly putting himself in there for a lot of top teams who are certainly going to pay attention. I mean, it was a quiet race for him. Um, he was certainly up there with the two Mercedes, uh, the Red Bulls, and also Daniel Ricciardo and the two Ferraris as well. Um, but he managed to avoid the carnage, got ahead of uh, the others, ended up P4, and he was brilliant. You know, we didn't see much of Pierre Gasly, but, you know, sometimes that's never a bad thing. Pretty much was doing time trials all the way around. He didn't have to worry at all. So, no, brilliant performance from him. But, as we said, we said AlphaTauri were coming back in this with Alpine, and they have huge momentum now. So, I, I, I'll be honest with you, Courtney, I think the way things are going, I think AlphaTauri are certainly heavy favourites for that P5 spot, uh, especially with Pierre Gasly driving the way he is. Um, we'll talk about Sonoda a little bit later on because um, his race ended pretty much at the very beginning after a collision with Ocon and Mick Schumacher, which was just unfortunate turn one stuff. Um, but look, Ferrari and McLaren, a huge weekend that this could turn out to be between the two teams. It turned out to be a mega weekend for Ferrari, relatively speaking. Of course, only fifth and sixth, which of course... 
I boldly predicted they were going to do much more. Ultimately, it didn't really work out. If anything, they were probably slower than I expected them to be, but they got the result, and that's what mattered. They got the big points, fifth and sixth, a nice, healthy 18-point for them. McLaren only scoring the one point. Of course, Lando Norris with the penalties that he had for the engine changes, pulled him right to the back of the grid. He did a great job to get into the points today. It was a difficult day, and Ricardo ruined his own race by punting into the back of Valtteri Bottas, losing his front wing, and was pretty much completely nowhere pace-wise. He was fighting Bottas for most of the race, and Bottas was having a terrible day. So um, that, as a result, means that now Ferrari, if I'm right, I'm just looking at my phone now just to check. Yep, so they're now 13 and a half points ahead of McLaren. The first time that they've been ahead of them since the Italian Grand Prix, where, of course, McLaren got that 1-2 finish. So, you know... Since Ferrari have made those changes, Courtney, we were expecting an upward trajectory in performance for them and to close the gap to McLaren. They now have the lead ahead of them. A somewhat, I wouldn't say a sizable one, but a, you know, a lead nonetheless. You know, It's a decent one enough. Do you feel that Ferrari can hold on to this or do you feel that there's a late surge for McLaren towards the end of the season that could get back at the Scuderia? Because right now, I'll be honest with you, mate, Maybe this is a little Ferrari bias coming out at me. I do apologise because we do try to be impartial, but it just seems that Ferrari look very, very good as a bet for third place in this Constructors' Championship right now. I think they do. And the main reason why I say it is, I love a sporting cliche, it's all about momentum. And Ferrari have had momentum since Sochi. They've had some kind of momentum and they've been keeping it going. You know, you look at McLaren and the other side, for example, they had that momentum in around Italy time. And that Lando Norris is putting in great performances, getting podiums, fourth, fifth place finishes consistently. But they're in a position where Daniel's now had a scruffy race. Lando Norris has had a difficult time given the engine penalties. And McLaren, generally speaking, weren't great here. So when we're talking about um, Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes needing a great race in Brazil, so do McLaren. Because right now, the initiative is certainly with Ferrari. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, it just seems like since Sochi or since the Italian Grand Prix, really, it's just all gone downhill. Um, it, it almost as quickly as Lando Norris sadly went downhill at Sochi when he made, well, him and McLaren collectively made the mistake to stay on the dry tyres in the wet. Mm. Obviously, that's not me trying to stick the knife in, um, mm. but. You know, it's it's really interesting, this battle between the two teams, because it's been going swings and roundabouts. You know, one time Ferrari looked like they're going to do it, and then McLaren, it's been back and forth. I just feel like we're getting to a point in the season now where it's critical that the team that has the momentum right now and are doing all the right things are the team that is going to win this battle. And right now, it seems that there's only going to be one winner between the two of them. So McLaren have to do something and something fast. Um, on a day like today, it was difficult for Lando Norris. Obviously, he had to take that engine penalty uh, this season, as are so many other people, there was so many different penalties this weekend. Um, like George Russell had a gearbox issue, uh, Sonoda had penalty, Lance Stroll had a penalty. Um, it, it almost felt like you could qualify in the top ten as long as you beat the two Williams and the Alfa Romeos and the Husses, you'd be all right for a top ten. I think that's what happened. For um, I'm trying to think who it was that ended up so far up the order um, as a result of doing that, even though they got knocked down Q one, it was probably one of the Alphas, but. Um, you know, oh, that, Kimi Raikkonen had a great day, didn't he? He finished eight. He did. did. He finish eight the end. He did. Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we'll get into his race in a moment. Uh, I'm just having a little flick through, like the order and that. But yeah, it, it was just absolutely crazy stuff with penalties and stuff. Like, I mean, we'll get into that as a separate thing in a moment. But the point I'm trying to make with McLaren at the moment is that Lando Norris earlier in the season, when 
McLaren looked like they were ahead of Ferrari and Ferrari were making mistakes and tripping over themselves. He said basically that, you know, it's not the case of we have a better car than Ferrari. We think they have the better package, but they're just making mistakes. And I kind of agreed with that to the time. What we're seeing now, though, is Ferrari have not only, you know, confirmed, in my opinion, that they have the all-round best package in terms of engine performance and car as a collective rather than the individual. Um, Ferrari have addressed those issues and addressed that gap. Of course, they're still lacking in engine power, but the car has made up for that and the improvements they've made have helped that. But it seems now that McLaren are the ones making the mistakes. Not only are they struggling in performance, but they're the ones making the mistakes and they're the ones that are just not able to address this issue. And Ferrari, I mean, we, we saw today, Ferrari were lacking in certain areas. And of course, you know, they couldn't catch Gasly, who was superb today. They were nowhere near the Mercs and the Red Bulls. Um, I think one of the Ferraris even got lapped. I think, I think they got lapped before the end of the race. I can't remember. Um, yeah, Sainz got lapped just before the end. Um, so it just confirmed how far off they were off the leading groups. But that being said, um, you know, we saw the Ferrari swapping places, even although it'll be a little bit later than they probably should have done. But then they swapped them back again, um, you know, to keep, you know, so that Charles Leclerc didn't feel like he was robbed of some points. Now, no, of course, in that situation, it's very easy to do. But these are the sorts of things that Ferrari don't normally do. And they're taking advantage of all these issues that McLaren are having at the moment with their drivers and the car and everything else. And Ferrari, very un-Ferrari like in previous seasons, are just managing each race as it comes. They're getting the most out of their car. They're getting the most out of their performances and they're getting the points. And that is what's going to get them P3 at this, at this point. McLaren... You know, I, I wish them well, and I'm they've been phenomenal this season, but if they are going to get P3 in this championship, they have to do something and something quick, because right now the momentum is very much with the Scuderia at the moment. Yeah, I think I'm going to track back a little bit, going to go back to when Sebastian Vettel left, and I remember the podcast we did about it, about how the atmosphere at Ferrari seems to be like a pressure cooker environment, and as, since then there's been changes in the management. And you've seen the, the change in mindset, the change in which they communicate with the fans to be a bit more humble, take it one season at a time, lower the expectations. You know, they've said, let's think about we're going to be taking smaller steps forwards and then we're going to go, we're going to go for it fully in 2022. And up to this point, they've stuck to their word. And it's actually been helping build a better relationship between, you know, the team and the fans. There's actually a better feeling about Ferrari. It's like, let's be patient this season because they're promising us big things going forward. So I think the changes in management that they've made is actually benefiting Ferrari, which could make the difference for them uh, finishing P3, which I know doesn't isn't like a game changer for a team like Ferrari that already has the amount of money that it has. But at the end of the day, money's money. So that'll be an even extra boost for the team going forward. And I've, I think and with the drivers that they have, you know, in the Claire and Sainz, that, that's why I sound like I'm repeating myself. I think a lot of eyes need to be on them next season. I really do believe that. Yeah, I mean, we talk about Ferrari and McLaren as if these are two teams that we shouldn't expect this kind of upward trajectory from them or to put themselves into position to fight for race wins and world championships in the short term. The fact is, considering where they both have been, over the last couple of years, and obviously McLaren have had that downfall since, uh, well, since 2012, since Lewis Hamilton left, really, if you if you want to go that far back. Mm. Um, and Ferrari, obviously, more recently have had that issue since they had those engine, uh, they had to change their engine, of course, because it didn't comply with the technical directors the FIA had set. Um, not proven, but, you know, that's a, 
that's always going to be a controversy that we may never know the truth to, unfortunately. Um, but they have had to claw back. They have had to find some sort of redemption and get themselves back to where they feel they belong. And there's so many encouraging signs about this that both teams have had changes in personnel the last few years. They've brought in the right people. It just seems like it's going in the right way for both of them. Um, so it's encouraging to see. It's exciting for the sport. Hopefully they can take that final leap to fight Red Bull and Mercedes next season. But it does seem rather encouraging where we are at the moment. Um, so I suppose at this point in the episode, Courtney, normally we'll talk through some of the other teams. So I, I think probably this point, just to pick out a few unsung mm-hmm. heroes for this weekend. I think, as you mentioned, Kimi Raikkonen finishing P8, did an incredible job. I mean, I'll be honest with you, mate, after the first lap, we saw Giovinazzi up in P6 nosebleed territory for him and I thought well, how the hell did he get there <laughs> he filtered all the way back into P11 which is more comfortable for Alfa Romeo this season yeah. than he used to Raikkonen ended up in P8 I have no idea how he ended up there um did you, you know see what, right? that? I'm 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 just ecstatic I'm ecstatic because Alfa Romeo actually did something interesting yeah, <laughs> she did something interesting what time to be alive thank you Alfa Romeo you finally did something this season <laughs> And there we go. <laughs> yeah, about time. The, the board, they really have bored me this season and they finally give us something to talk about. Yeah, absolutely crazy. Um, I mean, yeah, it, I mean, it's just a testament to how good Kimi Raikkonen is. You know, he just goes about his business, does his race and he ends up in the points and that's Kimi for you. He's always been solid like that. Um, it's something that Alfa Romeo are going to have to replace next season. They are bringing Bottas in, so perhaps that's how they're going to do it. But um, there's some hefty shoes to fill. We should also talk about Sebastian Vettel as well, P7. Um, I mean, I was saying this weekend, I thought Vettel was going to be very good. Uh, His long run pace on Friday was very encouraging. He was good over the one lap. He was very solid in qualifying, qualifying in the top seven. I think it was P9. Um, And he was solid. I don't think he really had any issues all race long. P7. Uh, best of the rest, if you like, uh, to a degree. Um, and uh, yeah, no, phenomenal job from him and something that Aston Martin needed from Seb, I suppose. I mean, they're kind, they're out of the P5 race. They're solid in P7, which is not obviously what Aston Martin want, but they're thinking of the bigger picture. So um, a day like today, a solid P7 for Seb Vedder was always going to do the world of good for both him and Aston Martin today. I think, again, you're talking about sort of short-term pain, long-term game. I think Sebastian Vettel has needed a season like this, a season out of the limelight, in order to rebuild with a new team. And I do. I think I think Aston Martin are another team. I don't think they will be competing for the championship. I could be proven completely wrong. But I definitely feel that Sebastian Vettel will be building something with this team. He just needed a quiet season, and he's had exactly that to rebuild. So let's keep an eye on him, because I think he's going to keep an eye on him next, next year or so. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, I, I couldn't agree more with you on that one. Um, so let's, uh, whilst we're at, I'm just flicking through because obviously we're going to do our star predictions in a moment. Oh, sorry, five star predictions, I should say. I just want to make sure I got the qualifying because the race, the grid got really jiggled up. Um, mm. But I'm going to go on merit based on the qualifying performance, not where they started because otherwise it's going to be a bit of a mess. So bear with me, guys. If you are watching on YouTube, I do apologise. While you're watching me scroll through my phone looking for the qualifying. And there we go. Just take a screenshot of that. Actually, no, I've got the app. I can just scroll through. Never mind. 
Let's go. <laughs> it's so professional. If you're listening to this as well and you have no idea what I'm doing, I'm just scrolling through my phone on the F1 app because I thought we'd already done this. I usually do this before I come on the show. Um, you should uh, prepare. You but, should play. You should play some elevated music. Oh, whilst you're doing it, I don't want to get copyright claimed while I'm at it, so I think <laughs> I'm going to leave that one alone. Um, but look, let's um, move into the st- five star predictions now. Of course, for mm-hmm. those of you who aren't familiar with how the five star predictions work, and I'll do this as professionally as I can as a host. It basically we look at the qualifying and race results, and of course how they got on this weekend, and we give them a star rating out of five. Um, so Courtney and I obviously we do it together and we usually give it a bit of an average but nevertheless let's get started and I think the first place we should start is uh, Max Verstappen and Uh Red Bull Max Verstappen of course qualifying in P3 and then of course winning the Grand Prix I'm going to start it off Courtney Um, it's going to be a four and a half star for Max Verstappen Um, not going to go much into why because he should have been on pole position this weekend but he wasn't and uh, Checo Perez qualified fourth and finished in third. I am going to give him, again, four and a half stars. I think I would have given him five if he'd have got P2 off of Lewis Hamilton. Uh, what about you? You know what I was thinking before you spoke, and you've just stolen every single word out of my mind. So, I could, yeah, I completely uh, <laughs> got Spider-Man meme. Got the Spider-Man meme. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's, that's my response to that one. Uh, fair enough. I think we'll agree with that one. Um, Mercedes, Bottas and Hamilton. Of course, Bottas, brilliant in qualifying P1. Hamilton, P2. And uh, in the race, Hamilton stayed P2, but unfortunately, his main rival beat him today, Max Verstappen. And Bottas all the way down in P15. But he did get the fastest lap, of course. So taking a point away from Max Verstappen and Mercedes. I'm going to give Lewis... Oh. I'm going to give him, I'm going to be harsh and give him a four. I'm kind of in between four and four and a half. Um, you know, Bottas was better than him in qualifying. You know, Lewis, this is this is based on the standards I usually expect of Lewis. Like Lewis is the pole king. And he's, I don't know, just, he just hasn't been himself for quite a while now on Saturdays. He hasn't really been in the groove. But today, he really put in a great performance. If he had done better, uh, better on Saturday... I've given him five because I think there's going to be a lot of attention on the the points that Lewis lost to match. And in fact, he put in a great performance today with, uh, so I'm going to give him four with Valtteri. I'm going to give him three, but I'm going to put an asterisk next to it. It's getting quite, quite technical now because he had a very average race and I'm marking him down because of his poor defending against Max at the start. But a lot of the issues that he had were out of his control. So I'm going to give him an average three. Yeah, I'm going to give Valtteri 3.5. For all the reasons you just said, um, obviously the big down is the fact that he did not defend the lead very well against Max Verstappen, if not at all. So that really let him down. But again, he was really compromised by how uh, his race unfolded. It wasn't really his fault. He got punted by Ricardo, which ruined his race. And he was stuck behind him most of the Grand Prix, which I can imagine would have been incredibly frustrating to see uh, the rear end of Daniel Ricciardo for the entire race. I'm sure for some, that's probably a nice view, but for Valtteri, not so much. So uh, yeah, three and a half stars for him. Um, On the subject of Valtteri Bottas, quickly, he got that pole position, uh, which of course we should mark him up for. It was a brilliant performance from Valtteri. His 19th pole position of his F1 career, making him now the, uh, I believe if I say this right, uh, of the drivers that are currently active in Formula One, um, i.e. drivers that in theory could race in Formula One, 
um, that haven't won a world championship. I believe Valtteri Bottas now has the most pole positions that without winning a world title. That will, yeah, um, that makes sense. Of active drivers. Because Valtteri's actually been fairly decent during qualifying. It's just the race pace where he's been lacking. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more with that. Um, but, it, you know, this is how it is. But I think the record for most pole positions without a world championship at any one point was Nico Rosberg, who had 30. I believe mm. it was something like that. Something crazy. I think Senna had like Mark 28. Mark Webber must be up there as well. I think Mark so. I know be. Senna was up there once. And that man saw, I think they had like, I think Senna had like 28 before he won his first mm. world title. Um, so yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, Valtteri, of all the drivers currently have, at, that haven't won a world championship in F1, he has the most pole positions right now with 19. Very nice um, award he got. He got a replica helmet from Juan Manuel Fangio, the uh, five-time Formula One world champion. Um, the old-fashioned helmet there. So that would have been quite fun. I'd imagine he'd have gone to bed with that on last night, probably thinking how he was going to manage today's race. I don't think he probably imagined it was going to go down quite like that. So, um, hey, look, he got a nice trophy out of it. So, no, well done to Valtteri on that one. Lewis Hamilton, four stars. I can't really give him four and a half. Certainly can't give him five. If he'd have won today, I'd have given him five stars. Um, The reason why I didn't give him four and a half is because he got beat by Max Verstappen, despite Mm. doing well to keep Checo behind him. So, um it is what it is, unfortunately. Um, let's go to Ferrari. Charles Leclerc um, qualified in P8, I believe it was, so a bit underperforming there, and finished in P5. Carlos Sainz qualified in P6, I believe, and he finished in P6. So just check that. And uh, yeah, qualified P6 and finished in P6. I'm going to give Sainz four and a half for the package that he's got. Solid qualifying, solid race, and then I'm going to give Charles Leclerc four. For two reasons. One, because of his poor performance on Saturday. And again, the way I referenced him to the way I, way I did with Lewis is what you I expect of the level of the driver. Leclerc, for me, is an elite driver. So he should have been getting a lot closer to Gasly than he did. So for that reason, I'm going to give him four. Yeah, I'm curious with Charles Leclerc because it, for whatever reason, he looked quick going into qualifying. He was quick in Q1, he was quick in Q2, Q3 just didn't work out for him. He, he might have got caught up in what was going on with Sonoda and the two Red Bulls because he was behind Max Verstappen. So he might have got caught up in that, which ruined his second run. Um, so qualifying wasn't the best for him. He recovered quite well to get up into P5 um, after all the chaos at the start. But uh, he might have had some damage, I don't know. I know these things kind of come out a bit later on. He didn't report anything on the radio or nothing we saw in the broadcast, so... Um, I'm only speculating because he did seem to be a bit off the pace all weekend. Uh, well, sorry, today, I should say, not all weekend. Um, and if it was based on pure pace as a merit, Sainz would have beaten him today. The only reason why he didn't was because Ferrari asked uh, Sainz to give back Charles the place when they knew he couldn't catch Gasly. So, mm. yeah, I'll say four stars. I think it's fair enough. Um, it's, it's a good four stars, though, given the circumstances. Carlos Sainz, 4.5. I think very solid qualifying, roughly where he needs to be. And he was good in the race. Um, if he was allowed to get past Leclerc earlier, he might have got P4 today. And that would have bumped him up to five stars for me. But no, I think Ferrari would be very happy with that. So I think those star ratings aren't really too worried. They're not going to be worried about that. Um, McLaren, Norris and Ricardo. So Norris, um, where did he start today? He was right at the very back, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, Norris was at the very back of the grid. I ain't even going to look. I think he was like 18th or something like that, something crazy. And he ended up P10. Um, I'm going to say nothing he could have done about qualifying. I think he qualified as good as he could do, and he was held back by the uh, issues he had with the engine. So I'm going to say four and a half stars. I think he did a great job getting all the way up to P10. And look, I know it's one point. 
is a big swing in Ferrari's favour, but that could be huge in this championship. As for Ricardo, P7 in qualifying, I thought he qualified pretty well. Um, in ahead of, you know, in between the two Ferraris, roughly where I expected him to be, perhaps a little bit higher, actually, and ended up P12 after punting Bottas, and he was completely nowhere for most of the race. So, uh, say, probably a two and a half stars for him. I think qualifying's the only good point today for Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah, I agree with all the points that you made. So, for that reason, I'm going to be a bit more harsh. I'm going to give Lando four, and I'm going to give Dan Ricciardo two. Ooh. Harsh, yeah. but f- fair, which is a bit of an oxymoron. We love you anyway, Daniel, but yeah, it wasn't your best weekend, unfortunately. Hopefully better ones will come soon. Um, Alpha Sauri, my driver of the day, Pierre Gasly, already said five stars. Not going to go into any more than that. Yuki Tsunoda, on the other hand. Oh. Um, you know what? Yuki Tsunoda, I think a lot of people have expressed their opinions on this one. I did on social media as well, because... Um, it wasn't the best moment for Red Bull and in particular Christian Horner uh, or Helmut Marco, from what I've heard in the paddock. Um, so, you know, for that reason, we'll get into that in a moment, but we'll start with the easy one for Yuki Tsunoda. I think his race was ruined on the first lap anyway. He was just caught up in the melee and the frenzy. He was on the outside off the road when he went into Ocon on one side and Mick Schumacher went on on the other one. So Tsunoda shouldn't have put himself in that position, really. It was a bit silly. Um, but he ended up out the race as a result of it. So I can't really knock him in terms of his race rating, you know, because it was just chaos. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But because he qualified in P9, um, I'm going to give him, uh, I'm going to give him a, you know, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and show him some love. I'm going to give him a four stars for you. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I actually completely agree with both your ratings. Um, And yeah, I'm going to bump Sonoda up more because... I think what happened to him last night was absolutely disgraceful. You know, we, we've discussed this. I'm not going to go too deep into it, but I think it's not the first time we've seen it this season. And I think a few things need to be looked at and reviewed because I have, a, I do have a concern that the Formula 1 fan base, particularly on social media, is heading in the direction of the way the football is. And I don't like it. And I think it needs to be nipped in the bud before it ends up as toxic as the football um, social media circle is. Yeah, and, and this was happening before uh, this weekend, you know, and for other drivers in particular. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of the parts of F1 that's frustrating me these days. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. anything to do with the sport itself. It's the way that certain people choose to express their opinions. Not even that. Sometimes it's just baiting other people or trying to slander yeah. people for no good reason. And look, I I will always say that sometimes I think certain red mist moments or certain uh, quotes in the moment are, you know, sometimes you don't need to pay attention to some of them. And I say that loosely because sometimes there are things that you shouldn't say and that are really inappropriate. And I think in a way, what Christian Horner said about Yuki Tsunoda, I already said already, I think wasn't fair. I can understand he was annoyed, but... To single out a driver, any driver, let alone one in your own academy, in the way that he did by saying that they we got synoded, implying that this is something... It's like saying what people used to say about Maldonado when he used to pump people into a wall and everything else, and that, you know, you got maldonado you know? It's mm-hmm. kind of along the same lines, saying that this is what Yuki does. He wrecks people's qualifiers, or he's not a great driver, he's an idiot. You know, 
that's the sort of thing you can't really say about any driver unless you have merit for it. And in this case, there certainly wasn't any merit for that. So I'm not going to overanalyze it or go into it anymore. I saw the footage. Yuki did nothing wrong. Um, he was trying to help his teammate and he got himself well out of the way. Perez made a mistake because he got distracted by it. That happens. And Max slowed down because he was worried about the yellow flag and didn't want to get a penalty. That happens. Um, if you're going to blame one person for it, you can't blame Sonoda. I think it's a co- it's a combination of a lot of factors in this that, unfortunately, Red Bull, you just got to say, look, I know it sucks, but that happens in F1 sometimes and you were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. It doesn't matter now because they got the result that they wanted, but that doesn't change how they acted. And I think the way that they sort of vilified Yuki Tsunoda in that regard. So of all the good things that Red Bull have done this year, I just hope that they don't taint it for themselves by some of the the low points, like what we saw at Silverstone and, you know, what we see, what we saw yesterday in qualifying. You know, I, I want to be on their side in this championship in, in as much as I want to be on Mercedes side or Ferraris or McLarens, because obviously we want to see the best team and, and driver win. And I think right now we are seeing that to a degree, but we don't want people to go up in arms. And well, more importantly, is a point, Courtney. I'll ask you this, actually, while I'm on this sort of tangent, if you like. If Max Verstappen does win this championship and Red Bull wins the Constructors' Championship, do you feel that the, depending on how this sort of ends, are you worried that people won't give Max the credit that he so thoroughly has deserved so far this season because of the actions and quotes of people in his team um, at the higher ends of it? They're kind of just rubbing people up the wrong way or, or you know, it, it depends on what yeah. perspective you see it, but that's how yeah, I'm looking so, at it at the moment. Yeah, this, this, mm. this is just my opinion at the end of the day. I think that there's, it's, for me, it's the actions of one or two in the management. I'm not going to name any names. I think some of it has been deplorable, just my opinion. And I do, again, it's just my personal opinion. It doesn't reflect the opinions of any others. I think there is... a. A section of the community that get a little bit too moist when Lewis fails. And I think there are reasonings behind it, which I really, really dislike. And for that reason, they are backing Max Verstappen. So Max Verstappen is representing uh, that, that sort of section of the F1 fan base, obviously without knowing. So if, for me, his victory will be a victory for that section of people. And I don't like that personally. And it's something that we didn't see. We didn't, we didn't see it with Rosberg. We didn't see it with Vettel, but we're seeing it. It's really, really bubbled up this year. And I don't like it. So for me, I've always been an admirer of Max Verstappen as a driver. You can look back. But it's just that section of people that just for me personally, I wouldn't, I don't want to see Max win because those people will be, they'll just be, as I said, they'll just be ultra moist to see Lewis Hamilton lose. Yeah, very apt choice of words there, but I understand what you mean. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's frustrating in F1 because we see this a lot in other sports in football where, look, people have rivalries and people have, like, mm-hmm. banter aside, like, in, in, in a good way. Um, exactly. You know, there are certain things that you can't excuse as banter and are just completely inappropriate and don't belong in, in sport or on mm-hmm. social media at all. Um, I, I don't like the idea that, you know, and and you are right to a degree that I think that, you know, Max Verstappen, he doesn't know it and, you know, it's not his fault, but there are some people that will not like a certain driver for the wrong reasons. You know, it's okay. 
if you're not a fan of Lewis. It's okay if you're not a fan exactly. of that. It's okay if you think mm-hmm. that um, Nikita Mazepin is the greatest driver F1's ever had. It's okay if you think that. I mean, you're wrong, but it's okay if you think that. It's your opinion. But you've got to base it on merit or in terms of actual you know, context is actually relevant to the conversation, not saying, oh, I don't like him because he's this, I don't like him because he's that. Things about, you know, characteristics or anything about a person that is not relevant to the sport or relevant to them as a human being in terms of what type of person they are, you know. I mean, we're getting a little bit off topic, but I think a lot of people that listen to this and know what we're talking about in terms of what Christian Horner said this weekend in that to try and... I don't know if he meant to vilify Sonoda. I think it was very much heat at the moment, Christian Horner, that we've seen enough times he tends to just say the first thing that comes to his mouth and usually it's the wrong thing um, or it's inflammatory towards that. But he doesn't give people the right to abuse someone like Yuki Sonoda. I mean, the poor kid would probably had so much hate thrown his way and it's wrong because, first of exactly. all, he did nothing wrong. So, you know, you know, you're already an idiot if you're thinking it's a good idea to abuse Sonoda on the fact that he according to them, cost Red Bull pole position. The reason Red Bull didn't get pole is because Mercedes did a better job in Q3 and they messed up. Simple as. There are two goes at it that didn't get it right. So anyway, look, I digress. Because um, I think that's something we saw a lot. And again, it doesn't matter what side you're on in terms of your opinion. Whether you're a big F1 YouTuber or a big F1 personality or you're like the little guys like us, it doesn't really matter. As long as your opinion is respectful and it has merit, then great. That's a great discussion we can all have. But, you know, guys, let's not ruin this for mm. what it's worth. It's been an incredible season. Exactly. And if all it's going to come to is everyone having a go and having a moment. I mean, Max and Lewis, we were worried that them two were going to collide at turn one. And not necessarily them two colliding, but the aftermath on social media and what would come from that, as we saw in Monza, as we saw at Silverstone, as we saw at Hungary. Um, and, and what Toto Wolf said in, in, in comments in the... Um, in the papers this week when he was saying he thought that one of them will do it to the other one in Abu Dhabi. I mean, imagine that happening. It's not right. You know, you just don't want to see that. So, yeah, I I sincerely hope that whoever does come out on top, whether it's Max or whether it's Lewis, that it doesn't get ruined by the idiots that try to usurp the conversation by trying to abuse uh, these sports stars for no good reason at all. It's not right. Anyway, back to the five-star predictions, because we should move this right along anyway. Um, Anyway, Aston Martin, I believe we're up to now. Um, We will do Aston Martin, and we'll do Alpine, actually, afterwards. We'll do Aston Martin, because they had a great day. Sebastian Vettel um, qualified, I think, P9, was it? Yeah. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah, wait, he started P9, qualified P11, I should say. Um, Uh. So we'll give him him that benefit. But uh, obviously, he started P9, ended up finishing P7. And uh, Lance Stroll started dead last. And, um, yeah, his race was a bit interesting today. He was having a few nice little battles, but he ended up in P14. Difficult race for him, but um, I'm going to go Vettel. I'm going to give him four and a half stars. I can't give him five because he didn't get into Q3. Even though he started in the top 10, he didn't get there on merit. So I'll give him four and a half stars, but or 4.75, if you like. I love Seb, so, yeah, I'll give him that one. Um, and uh, Lance Stroll... Um, even though he was going to start yesterday, last, he, sorry, even though he was going to start last in the race today, I should say, he made a pretty hefty mistake in qualifying with that big crash in uh, Q1. Um, I'm just going to give him a three stars today. I can't really give him much more than that. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to give that all, yeah, four and a half and three stroll. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. 
Fair enough. Um, let's move on to Alpine uh, rather quickly. Um, just having a quick look at my notes again. Fernando Alonso, terrible qualifying for him, ended up in P16, but he did get a few further places because of penalties. Ended up finishing in P9 today. I think he started 12th overall on the grid. So, but, you know, 16 qualifying, finishing P9, some good points. Um, you know, it has kept him level with Alpha Terry, so that's critical at this point. And uh, Esteban Ocon, just flicking through again, he started in P15. Again, would have got a few places because of engine penalties, etc. But finished in P13, which I think was roughly where he uh, just he was just ahead of Alonso. So he got caught up in that first lap incident with Mick Schumacher and Sonoda, which took both of them two out of the race. He was able to continue on. But to be fair to Esteban Ocon, I couldn't blame him for that incident. He was just caught in the middle of a sandwich and there was no way he could have avoided that. It weren't his fault. Um... So I'll say for him, three and a half stars, pretty average today. Fernando Alonso, I will give him a four stars. And the only reason why I'm not giving him more is because he qualified, didn't qualify well and didn't get out of Q1. Yeah, Flo's reasons, I'm going to mark them down. So I'm going to give Fernando Alonso three and a half and then I'm going to give Ocon three. Fair enough. Uh, Alfa Romeo. So Kimi Raikkonen and Giovinazzi qualified in P12 and P14 respectively. I think they got bumped up a little bit. I think Raikkonen started in P10, um, actually, and he finished in P8. Giovinazzi started P14. I think he started in P11 or something like that and ended up in 11th place on the road, despite being up to 6th at one point fighting the Ferrari. So... uh, (laughs) Yeah, Gio, he definitely does find a way. Because I remember he did the oh, same thing in Italy. Gosh. He finds himself in some weird <laughs> positions where all the chaos ensues, and he ends up getting through it. It's like Lightning McQueen in the fir- that first part of the Cars film, where he just goes in and out of them cars where all the chaos is, and he gets out the other side. Um, but he fell further back and ended up in P11. So um, what do you make of their days, Courtney? You at Raikkonen and Giovinazzi, what are you going to rate them? I'm going to give uh, Kimi Raikkonen a four and a half. Amazing weekend from him. Um, Giovinazzi, I'm going to give three because Giovinazzi in P11 is just it's another meme coming up that the Thanos, I'm inevitable, is just P11 looking at Giovinazzi. It's just, it's just always, he always ends in P11 every weekend. It's dull. Three yeah. stars. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, I'm probably going to give him more. I'm going to give him a, f- I'm going to give him four stars, Giovinazzi. I think he did okay today. Just unlucky not to get points. Um, you know, he was caught by people in quicker cars, strangely. And then Raikkonen, brilliant. Yeah, four and a half stars. Um, yeah, four and a half for Kimi. The only reason why I don't give him five is because he's qualified. He inherited a few places from penalties. I think we have to always chuck that caveat in. But no, good day for Kimi Raikkonen. Um, so we're all going to miss him, aren't we? So might as well be generous while we can, or enjoy it while we can, I suppose, better way of putting it. Um, last two teams, Williams and, um, and Haas. Uh, Williams, we had... Let's see, just checking the qualifying. So we had George Russell in qualifying. Again, another driver that was impacted by penalties in that uh, gearbox issue, which sent him to the back of the grid. Um, it was basically, a, the real race really was how quick teams could announce that they were taking penalties so that they would start higher than the teams that announced it after them. So that was a race in itself this weekend, given the amount of penalties we had. But Russell qualified in 13th. Latifi qualified in 17th. And they ended up finishing 16th and 17th on the road, respectively, in the race. So, uh, an, a pretty much a typical weekend for Williams on the yeah. on the basis of that. So, I'm just going to devil's advocate and just say three and a half stars for both of them, or four or, or four for George on his qualifying. Yeah, no, I'm I'm going to give I'm going to be harsh. I'm going to give 
Latifi three and a half, but I'm going to give Russell three because, again, of what I expect of the driver and the, the standards. Now, I know, I know the Williams are struggling, but just because I expect more of George, I'm going to mark him down compared to Latifi. Fair enough. I mean, George was in a bit of the wars today. He was certainly having battles today, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a bit surprised he ended up further down. I, I can't remember if he, if he tried the two-stop and it didn't work out for him, but... I thought we would have finished a bit higher than that. It was battling Alonso quite near the end of the race, so it's a bit strange why he ended up so much further down. I'm not quite sure what went on there. Um, so we'll go to the final team, Haas. Mick Schumacher qualified in 18th. He started in 14th um, today. Um, so that was a pretty special... I think Latifi started 13th, actually, as well. So, you know, nosebleeds for both of them, considering how high up they were on the grid. Um, yeah, Mick Schumacher, matching his best start in F1, inherited a few places because of penalties, got took out. At the very beginning, after that collision with Ocon, not much you could have done about that, unfortunately. So, for Mick, I'm just going to say uh, three and a half stars, qualified P18. Not much I can give him on that one. Very unfortunate. Mazepin qualified uh, 19th because he was because he actually finished qualifying. Stroll didn't, so he was the slowest of the qualifiers that actually made it. And he was the last of the finishers as well in P18. Beating his teammate by virtue of his teammate retiring. So that is something for Nikita Mazepin, but pretty standard weekend for him. So three and a half for Mazepin as well, I suppose. You know, give him the benefit of the doubt there. Yeah, I'll give him both three. Just because I'm feeling generous because West Ham won. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay, imagine what kind of weekend it's going to have to be if Mazepin gets five stars. That would be something. Um, you know, that that would be if West Ham win the league, mate. <laughs> right, I'm just trying to think when the next F1 race is in what 50 years time or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, look, football oh, banter aside, <laughs> football banter aside, guys. Look, um, I think this is a good time to wrap this up. We're going to be doing our Brazil review, uh, a preview, I should say, in the week that'll be coming out later this week. So um, we'll talk about that at the time. Um, I think that's all that's left to say, guys. If you have enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please do consider giving it a like. Of course, comment on what you thought of this weekend's Mexican Grand Prix and, of course, some of the other issues that we raised in this episode. And please don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you're watching on YouTube. Incidentally, of course, if you are following us on your favourite podcasting platform, make sure to follow us on there. And if you could be so kind, please do leave us a review. We don't mind, I suppose, um, if you are positive and appraisal of us. Fantastic. It'd be great if we could get five stars from you guys. Of course, if you think there are things we can improve on, please do be constructive, but please be kind. We don't want anyone just saying you're crap and that's it. Like, you know, give us a reason What if you don't like it. Elaborate. Yes, help us improve, I think is the best way to put it. So please be constructive if you can. Um, and we enjoy doing this for you guys anyway. So yeah, please help us out as much as you can. Um, but until next time, guys, we've been DNF1. Please stay safe and we will see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. Take care. Podcast Network.